Welcome to the Monsters of Television podcast. I'm Nick Campbell. I'm Matt Owens. We have Noel Kirkpatrick. Hello. Cam Petruska. Hello. And uh, we're going to talk about some television and whatnot. Uh, so we always start off with uh, The Walking Dead as our first television show. Um, this being the season finale, I think that we shouldn't uh, disrupt that. What did you guys think of the finale? Anyone? Does anyone, want to talk, does anyone really want to talk about this show anymore? <laughs> um, no, I'll go ahead and dive in. Um, last week I said I didn't really have any expectations for the show, which kind of had been helping me enjoy the show more, I think. And I think my lack of expectations might have bit me in the ass this, uh, with the finale, um, since I was kind of really frustrated with it. This was the first time I really felt like the short and the short compact season really affected the show, for me anyway. Um, in that I really felt the CDC stuff needed to be a two-part episode to really work well. And I felt like it got really rushed. Um, I don't feel like the whole feeling of safety should have been played out a little bit longer, I think. And but then again, I may have just wanted an excuse to watch Noah Emmerich just really knock it out of the park, playing with someone just completely, to- totally suicidal and really depressed about it too. So yeah, I was kind of disappointed with it. Yeah, it was a really disappointing, especially for a season finale. I thought it was. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that we don't care. I don't care about a lot of these characters. Like. Um, no. You know, the, and the fact that uh, the expendable characters kind of died off, um, or supposedly died off, because um, you know it is kind of like a horror movie, and you don't actually see them die, so are they really dead? Um, uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, Dale would uh, stick his neck out for um, the cute blonde woman, and not for the uh, the not as cute black woman. Um, <laughs> That, that was interesting. We're supposed to believe that he had a relationship with those two girls, that he was like a father like. So when the girl died, too, they brought up that he had this special bond with them, which we never saw. We just heard about. Therefore, we're supposed to accept, I think. It was a very show or a very uh, told, not shown kind of thing. It was like they, he had like one line about it when uh, he, she was uh, holding Amy or whatever. And uh, that, yeah, we're told that they had a relationship and that they had some kind of bond together but yeah there was no real demonstration of that at any point I don't think in the series and <laughs> enough for the, for him to really be like well if you're going to die I'm going to die too I, it doesn't it doesn't make sense um, so yeah a lot of it stems I think from my lack of care for any of these characters um, I'm not sure that there's a likable character on the show I mean I guess Rick Rick's kind of likable and sadly I think that Daryl is kind of likable despite him being a racist prick um, oh no, he's awesome. Actually, I'm beginning to root for him big time. I mean, he's, I mean, and he is the kind of personality that can survive in this world. Exactly. Like he's he seems to be the best suited to kind of work it out. I mean, for everything from his survival instincts to his weapon being silent uh, and, him, and him having the knowledge. That's the other thing about this. There's supposed to be like a, a, a there was no real big reveal about anything. Like uh, we knew that they had to be killed in the brain in order for them to die. Um, I mean. Daryl told it from day one. So, like, there's we didn't learn anything. We just kind of, I mean, and that's kind of where a lost comparison comes in because a lot of lost uh, secrets were revealed. Uh, stuff that we already knew was just a lot of confirmation of stuff, and then asking more questions. So, and with, uh, I think I think you're right. Well, the issue with the the answers with this particular show, I'm going to sidestep the lost thing for a second. Um, 
is that because they went to the CDC, which was the place they went to find out what is the science behind this, the fact that he had nothing, like even like it's a virus, this is how it mutates or, you know, anything along the lines of, you know, the guy has been there for what, a year, year and a half? In in the lab, and he discovered nothing about it at all. That he, although he, you know, there's the, there's the whisper, which is a cop out. But uh, um, yeah. yeah, going to that place, I, I did expect some sort of scientific answer, or at least explanation, or or even worse, like he he tried all of these various things to kill it, and it was impossible. Something, some sort of result for his effort. I mean, he was doing experiments apparently the entire time that he's been down there. So like, and no results from nothing? the experiments. I mean, yeah, you know, we're right. It feels like we're right back where we started. We didn't learn anything new, and other than a couple of the main characters being dead now, it doesn't feel like there's much been much change since the beginning. And that's really, well, like you said, it's really disappointing for a finale. Like nothing really. Okay, sure, the CDC explodes, but nothing happened. You know, nothing happened. But something could have happened. Here's the thing again. Part of my critique is because, yet, yeah, like you were saying, the CDC set up expectations, and they had hopes too. Okay, so maybe their disappointment could have been played into more if that's how they wanted to go. And then when they all figured out that they had a chance to die on their own terms, quite simply, you know, make a real choice about how to move forward, I wanted to see every single character face that choice. Not just, we must keep living because we must keep living, but even like, should I go off on my own because running around with a bunch of kids is going to get me killed? Like, or should we put the children down? Because it, I mean, this is a gross way to go, but you know, because this was a actual peaceful kind of death. Um, they, they, it just seemed like they skipped over all of the really big decisions people could have been making during this episode that could have helped me get to know them better and see what they've got. And like right, Noel was exactly. saying, that would take two episodes to really be able to flesh all of that kind of stuff out because that would feel too. I mean, this episode felt really rushed as it was. So to go into all of that great character stuff really would have taken more time. But yeah, I mean, that is, it, it would have been nice to see every character kind of battle with that on their own rather than just have this one really big argument about it and that was it. Yeah, because we saw them all drunk instead. And I don't know that seeing them all drunk helped that much. It, it, it really didn't. I mean, other than that Shane is unstable, um, but we kind of already knew that too because he desperately wants to be Rick so bad in like a... Not just in a, uh, a regular, like, I, you know, I wish that, I, that Rick is my role model kind of way, but in a, uh, I mean, almost like a Freudian Union kind of way, like, I would love to be, I want to be in Rick's brain. That um, was a disappointing choice for me, that they decided to make Shane kind of become this animalistic, you know, abusive man. And yes, he was drunk, but, you know, I, you know there's certainly something to be said for the fact when you're drunk, you actually act out a truer form of yourself so they're making a choice that he's kind of dangerous and they've been playing with that for a bit and i'm just not sure that that's too simple sometimes i think like i prefer like when they showed us the flashback and the flashback was completely silly too to some extent but the point of the flashback was actually to show us that shane tried Mm -hmm. and failed so i have conflicting ideas about him now right so either he's this guy who has the potential to be a monster or he's this you know true friend who's really caught in an awful situation. And like, there's real drama to be had there because he does love the family, but he does love his friend and she does have feeling for both of them. And you know, that, that let's put some real sincerity behind it instead of the easy choice. Oh, he's going to be a monster. Therefore, eventually we'll have to have the showdown. He'll die and we'll move on. I kind of felt that he was always kind of a monster. Like, yeah, he did that, that 
I guess, good thing by uh, by kind of blockading Rick so that he wouldn't get eaten. But I think that's might be the least he can do. He was, I think, he said that he was afraid of unhooking him from the machines. So I'm just not sure that they're going to use that character in a way that I think would really most benefit character development, empathy, the things that we say aren't here currently and we'd like to see. I think there was potential with that character. And I don't think they know what they want to do with him yet, which is why the flashback of him with Rick is so kind of ambiguous. We don't really know what to take from it. And the actions later on, there's like this disconnect. So I think they, they, they don't know yet. I don't, you know, I don't know how much they had planned with that aspect. So we had this conversation last week. How much can you plan when you don't know if you're going to get a second season and you only have so many episodes and blah, blah. But you can still kind of put together a plan for a character and put, and put together something for a character. Uh, I mean, the other thing that I didn't like about this was that the, uh, something that you mentioned last week, Karen, was that there's no plan. Like, you know, they, they escape the CDC and they're on the run, but... I mean, where are they going to go? Are they going to go to the army base, I guess, since the Cobb Energy Center exploded? Um, yeah. Yeah, we don't see them. You're right. We don't know what the next step is. So all, all we know is they're going off into oblivion to either die quickly or die slowly. And those are the only two options we currently know are available. It feels kind of like a mess. It, I mean, it's, I mean, and not in a good way, not in a good, like, there's a lot of stuff that can happen next season. It just feels like, narratively, it's a mess. Yeah, so I, I think that they had some real challenges. I, I'm not... You know, jumping off of Walking Dead, I'm certainly going to come back when it comes back because I'm still curious. Um, you know, so we saw basically an experimental season, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that there were flaws with it, but we know what we're looking for. And so if in season two they come back and they come back strong and they get these people grounded pretty quickly so we know what the stakes are for each of them, and they can be different stakes uh, based on choices that they have to make. But let's see some people make some choices, choose some paths. And then see the consequences play out. If they're just constantly reacting, we're just along for the ride. It's nice to see when they kind of can basically decide we're going to live in this world. That's what we haven't seen yet. We know they they don't want to die, but we don't know how they're going to try and live in this world. It, that's a good point. The the reactionary part of it is uh, terrible for for uh, this this story. I think it's I mean it constantly there. We need we need the the root for them for some reason, or otherwise we're just kind of you know voyeurs into their uh, their torture and you know the, their yeah. masochism. and that's eventual yeah yeah that's that's not something I want to watch. I mean I I mean I, as much as I enjoy the horror genre, I mean even in, in horror movies, there's they've got some reason to live, and so far we, they have no real reason to live, and uh, other than you know that human instinct to continue and that's not really enough to drive a show I don't think yeah disappointing finale all around mm-hmm. like what? Rubicon level disappointment or just mild disappointment I mean My- to me disappointment that I mean I guess I'll I'll be a casual viewer I think when it comes back but I'm kind of signed off the show like I don't really I, don't I think I'm with you oh really okay that's pretty serious. I mean, especially with the the large hiatus until October for the, for the next episode. Like, I'll watch it because it's you know Halloween and kind of spooky. But uh, for the most part, like I'm, I have no real, I, I have no expectations for the show anymore, and like I have no real desire to kind of keep watching it, except that I can well, watch Atlanta landmarks and stuff like that. Let's mark this moment because I, I will be interested to see because now, as we've discussed before, the challenge now is how do you keep people interested and how do you get your promotion machine going so that when it comes back, we remember all the good stuff and maybe not any of the bad stuff. So if uh, let's mark this podcast and if we're still talking in a year, let's go back and look and see, did they get you interested again? This is their job now. I don't they know. Have I mean, to know. Really, was, is that whisper supposed to keep us talking 
for the next ten months? And is that supposed to give us enough to be continuously interested during this hiatus? Or do we but really if they have... release secret previews, if we get to see that they're going with the governor, you know, there's ways that they can make the fans, the fans of the, the series, like the actual like comic or whatever, um, come come back full force. That's true, um, but that's still a long time from now. I mean, they're not even going to start thinking about what to do for season six until January. So when is the earliest we'd be able to see something? It would be a while. Even if it's, I mean, yeah, yes, it's, it's going to be earlier than October, summer. but it'll still be a while. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm, 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 I'm still in a wait and see mode. I'm optimistic. How about that? I don't know. On the uh, on the spectrum of season finales, this probably ranks down there with the Fresh Prince of Bel Air's turning up the lights kind of finale for me. Oh. <laughs> like seriously, it's it's just bad news. I just, I mean, like, it totally, it did, it totally turned me off the series. Like, I mean, it, it might, I mean, I, I'm going to bring, I bring this up again. It might be just because of the lack of character depth. I mean, even House, who, I mean, their character deaths are uh, questionable at best sometimes. But, I mean, their House season finales are incredible. Like, initially. What do you mean initially? House is, they love their new characters. Yeah. Taub and 13 have way more depth than Foreman, Chase, and Cameron ever did. <laughs> they love their new characters. They do. But, I mean, you have to admit, though, House season finales are awesome. Oh, always. Off yeah, the chain. Absolutely. And uh, it felt like that this was, I mean, Walking Dead has such a great premise, has uh, such good pedigree and stuff like that, that it should be, it should have been good. It should have been a lot better than it was. And, um, I, it just wasn't there. Like, for, I don't, and I'm not sure if it was because of bad planning, if there wasn't a plan, or if there, you know, all the things that we just mentioned. But uh, what is it about season finales? Like, why is the, the, this season finale uh, fail against other season finales that we've seen? Like, I mean, even the Mad Men season finale, like we talked about and were oohing and aahing over for months. I mean, I still, I, I think I had a conversation about Mad Men the other day, I and mean, it's been like four months. It's the what factor. There is no, at the end, there should be some event, something that goes on that just leaves you saying, what? And you're going to continue asking yourself that what until it comes back from hiatus. Like you said, with Mad Men, this whole thing, everything, the whole marriage with Megan. Um, last year's Gossip Girl finale, Chuck gets shot and left in an alley, and you're like, what? And that's going to, that's going to carry over. But in this one, CDC explodes, they get in their caravan, and they leave, and you're like, oh, okay, that's nice, I guess. It was less of a what, and more of a what? Yeah, there's no... It, finales need to hit. They really need to do something memorable, powerful, and this one well, just... Well, they blew up a pretty big out. building. They did, but even... St- like, I mean, nothing, nothing surprising about it happened. We knew the building was going to blow up because they'd been talking about it for half the episode. The two characters that decided they were going to stay stayed. The two characters that were kind of on the fence got out. No one, no one that wasn't supposed to die died. Nothing happened. The building blew up, yes, but everything went according to plan. So Yeah, what they should have done is they should have given us a glimpse of the missing racist. We should have seen him somewhere with a plan or with, with people behind him or, you know, something that showed us this is going to be one of the issues next year. It's not that he's disappeared. It's that he's made it somewhere and that he's angry, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. A character we already knew that we have a relationship with, even, even though it's a bad relationship, um, would have at least given us a sense of we know he's going to come back in, in an interesting way. 
That would have been way more, because then you would have been thinking, oh man, what is he planning? What is going to happen when he eventually comes back? I mean, they they paint Merle as a guy that, now with with his hand cut off, bleeding from his wrist, goes out, knocks two zombies out with a a wrench, and then dives out a window. I mean, this guy's like Superman, and and all of a sudden he disappears for the entire series after the second episode. Yeah, it's a real shame they didn't give us a lo- at least a sense of him or the the guy that Rick was with at the beginning, the guy and his son. We could see them about to come to Atlanta, and we know it's a bad idea or whatever. Just leave us with some people that we can because that's a, th- those two were good characters, the father and son. That was deeply engaging. The struggle about the wife, all of that was that was beautifully done. That's why people, I think, partially got so excited about that the show when they had just a couple of characters. They did a nice job with them. But with the minute they had a bunch of characters, they didn't have the time to actually develop them. But I think there's also a p- potentially a genre thing going on here. You know, we've seen a bunch of these sci-fi shows come and go. Flash Forward being the one that I was watching and just dropped eventually because it was just so disappointing. Where for some reason they aren't getting that character is key. And maybe that's what Fringe is doing well. Fringe has a bunch of nonsense that goes on. on the, I don't mean nonsense in a mean way, you know, going on. But people really care about those characters. Yeah. You can't just let that part go. You know, blowing up a building, and, ha- and especially since zombies can only be somewhat effective as an antagonist because they don't have any human emotion that we can connect with. They are just like a feeding energy. We aren't going to get any character from that. So they have to do it all in other ways. Which is something that they brought up a little bit in the first episode of this series where, where they had the, uh, the mother character that was trying to get back into the house. Like, that seemed like that there's a little bit of humanity left in them, but um, yeah, that or was completely ha- erased throughout the rest of the, of the season. Which, yeah. I mean, disappointing or not, like, I, I kind of like the idea of them having, like, being trapped inside of this uh, animalistic, bestial kind of character, but there's still some sort of soul left in them that could that can be used later for uh, villain kind of purposes or connecting with an antagonist. And uh, they just completely erased that, especially uh, at the end where they showed. I mean, they explicitly said it's all, the brain is all dark. There is no humanity left inside of these people. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that you know, going back to, I will go back to Lost now and say, obviously, yes. there was a lot of disappointment. The people that were disappointed were the people that watched for answers to the mystery, but there was also a very large contingent of people that watched for character. And for a long time, Lost balanced both those audiences pretty well. maybe. Even though we can debate all we want about the finale and everything, what we can say is that maybe that's what the lesson we hope Walking Dead learned this summer, is that they did a pretty good job of having you know, standalone episodes, had a good beginning, middle, and end. Each episode, there's usually some sort of crisis that they had to react to, um, but they usually resolved it by the end of the episode. So if you take any one particular moment, you know there was something there for you. What they haven't done well is the overarching story whether it's mythology, whether it's character, whatever it's going to be. That's the part where they're lacking. Uh, and the main thing we have identified, which I think is the most important thing, is we need to know who these people are. And that's what Lost did well. We knew all those characters intimately. So. True. And it seems like Walking Dead, I don't know if the, the people there aren't able to handle the, like a large ensemble, or if they, maybe they just need to thin out the herd a little bit and, uh, and so they can concentrate on just a few characters. And... Um, it's kind of why I was hoping that Dale and uh, Andrea would, you know, kind of die. Even though, because I don't really like Andrea that much, even though she it's had that blonde. scene with Amy. And uh, Dale, I kind of like as that uh, southern yarn spinner uh, kind of character. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, they need to kind of, I think that they, it's just too much for who they have. And they need to thin out the herd maybe a little bit. 
They just need to talk to each other more. They need to get to know each other better and understand who, you know, what kind of life are they, like, what kind of life are they looking for? Live together or die alone. Basically, well, that's, but that's the question, isn't it? Right now, they're kind of sort of just living together because they have a vague idea that maybe that's helpful. But I I don't think they've really answered that question to themselves. You know, if if I was trapped in this world, I would probably leave anybody with a kid behind. But if they're trying to hold on to some semblance of civilization, then that can become interesting. How do you keep ties, family ties and, and community ties, and how do you build a world where you can have a life that seems somewhat normal in an abnormal situation? But again, as we you know, are saying ad nauseum, they're, all they're doing is reacting, and hopefully in season two, we'll actually see them adapt and plan and execute. Okay, so is uh, is Entertainment Weekly correct? Is Walking Dead the best show of 2010? Get out of here. No, it's not the best show of 2010. Well, they said the best new show. Oh, it's, okay. Well, rega- okay, so the best new show of 2010. No, it's not the best new show of 2010. Carriers was the best new show of 2010. They decided mm. that one was good enough. So, Walking Dead? No, it's not. I mean, it, it's got a lot of elements that could work, but uh, as, as of this season, no, it's not the best show. There's a lot of cleaning up they're going to have to do for next season. I think they should just fire all the writers again. <laughs> it's probably good. It's probably a good idea. They should probably fire all the writers again. Now, okay, knowing how the show has turned out, it's a good idea that they did so, but it's the way that they did so that wasn't. Right. That is what irks me about it. But yeah, after seeing what those writers produced, maybe it was time for them to go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your loyalties. So quickly. So quickly thrown away. <laughs> oh, we're, we'll turn coat real fast if they don't do something yeah. they like. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Okay, so yeah, so we're going to chalk up Walking Dead to a relatively strong start, then they got lost, and they ended with a whimper. So. Yeah, uh, a whimper is, uh, is putting it lightly, I think, with a, you know, <laughs> a sad whine, I think, is also a thing um, But Gossip Girl, I heard, was a lot better. It was a, it was a, a, little, a little nutty. Is that, is that the case? It was. We had a fantastic yep. episode. Yeah, Matt, it sounds like you really, you, you, you kind of came to some of the same things I did, which is, wait, how, what am I going to do in a world where Serena isn't completely evil? I know. It's weird. I mean, you, I, don't even know, I don't even know where to begin. I, normally, it's, this is why Serena sucks, and this is what we learned in this episode and why we hate her. Right. But in this one, it's not Serena's fault, which is the weirdest thing to say. But we really get to see how awful Lily is, which could explain, you know, maybe it's hereditary. Well, yeah, and I need to, the one thing I'm still waiting for with this show, we've we've gotten glimpses here and there, but I really want to see Eric become a real character. Yes. And I'm not sure I want to see him be a player like everyone else is, because you need a voice of reason somewhere, but I want to see him take that responsibility more seriously, and I want to see him help his sister maybe be as reasonable as he is. And he, uh, he wants to. He tries. He gets his couple of lines in every episode. And even just with those, he is obviously the most mature and responsible character on that entire show. And I'd re- I just want to see what happens if you throw him in the mix more often. And, and, and when they've done it in the past, it's been he tried on the scheming clothes for size and didn't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, here with his reaction to Serena here was actually quite tender. And I like that maybe Serena did, you know, we talked about this last week, was Serena going to actually learn anything from this experience, even though she was there kind of without just cause, there's still plenty of reasons for Serena to be there. Yeah. And I actually kind of hope they can maybe try and continue that a little bit for, for Serena to say, wow, there have been things that have happened to me, but I have done things that haven't helped. And 
see her actually see her decide. You know, Blair's always constantly trying to be a better person, in theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I'd love to see Serena try that too. Um, instead of having it just be my mom is evil and I'm going to go whine for a year, which is what I'm worried about. Right. But but even I mean Juliet, they kind of gave us a sense of what she was fighting for. Um, which was kind of lovely. That that I love when the show has done it a couple of times. Where usually we get kind of these backbiting, spiteful women, and we do see a, a bunch of hair pulling on this show. Mm-hmm. But at its core, Serena and Blair are deeply supportive of each other. And again, it was nice to see Serena with a female rival be like, you know what? I get your story. I get what happened. You're right. Something really shitty happened, and you, I don't know that you always did it the right way, but I get what you were trying to do. And it was, it was neat to have them have a moment of understanding. Right. I yeah. just, and I think I said this before, it would be a huge mistake not to add Juliet to the main cast for next year. There's a lot yeah. of, there was a lot of depth to her. We learned a lot about her this season, and so I can see them wrapping up her story this year. But she was such a great character, and trying to see her fit in with them now, now that everything has been laid out on the table, come to, uh, you know, come to terms with what she's done, try and make up for the things that she did to everyone now that they know that they're really not to blame. They have a common enemy in this thing. I would like mm-hmm. to see them flesh her out as a character within this world now. But I think Lily's still paying her off, and she might just need to take that money and run with and it. Run. Could be. If and she they- sticks around, she actually has to face the fact that she might have to get a job. Which could be interesting, since the whole <laughs> the, the classism uh, stuff that the show used to talk about is done now that the Humphreys are rich. Maybe having a character that's uh. not as well off as everyone else would bring some um, nice commentary back to the show that's been missing. Well, and how interesting while. that the person who's supposed to be in that role is Vanessa. But they should, and they, they don't know what they want to do with Vanessa. Anymore. They have no clue with Vanessa. It's totally true. I, they, they just run that character into the ground, and I don't think it's fair. No, it's I really not. There's more that should be happening there, but they just keep trying to ruin that character, and I, I don't get it. They ruin her at the expense of Serena. Like it, we, it always, we, Since she entered the show, that's always what it's been about. She's supposed to be the anti-Serena. She was supposed to be the one to come in and shake up their relationship, and she's always the one that is taking a fall and taking a beating from everyone in relation to Serena. And it, it isn't. It's not fair. And it's not as interesting. So, you know, the, it, this episode seemed to make some really interesting changes. And so I'm hope I'm hope again, I'm hopeful here that in the next year we can, unless they just go back to their usual routine. The problem with Gossip Girls, it has no memory. Um, like Glee. <laughs> do you know that Glee has a memory? I think it does, depending on which writer is working that day. Okay, but that's a whole other that's a whole other scenario. But like, I feel like Gossip Girl just kind of keeps recycling the same thing over and over. And I'd really like it to have a sense of what characters have done, which what has worked, what hasn't, what choices have they made. I mean, no one grows a lot, and I don't know that I need them to like become great people. But I'd love to see some institutional memory here, so that we don't keep putting Vanessa through the same thing. Let's see her make a new choice. Mm-hmm. Let's see. In Juliet, you're right. Juliet could add some new energy as long as they have Juliet have been changed by the experience right she needs to, she needs to feel some shame for what she did she needs to try and she needs to want to make up for it and fit in with these people and there could be a lot you could do with that yeah but i think you're right the class thing could be fascinating but i don't know if the show wants to do anything they, they I, I like them as candy um yeah. 
So, uh, and certainly this season, I've been like, woohoo, it's just been fun and ridiculous. Yeah. So, I, I seem to be a bit torn about what I really want from this show. So, what do you think about this potential Dan and Blair relationship that everyone seems to be talking about? I don't think it's serious. I think that the audience always, I mean, they, the audience can ship for just about anyone. It's, it's kind true. of amazing. Um, I, I think that would be a huge mistake. I could see I them becoming fr- like you'd actually, you know, getting along with one another, but a relationship I could never really see happening. Yeah, the joy of it would disappear. Yeah, and and people that like Chuck and Blair like them a whole whole lot. So I don't think you can really mess with that dynamic without some serious, seriously pissed off fans. It's true. You say people. Are you not included? Are you not a big uh, Chuck and Blair shipper? Uh, no, I like Chuck and Blair. Certainly, when the show first went that direction, I was pretty excited. It was yeah. pretty hot. It was. Yeah, I liked them in season two a lot. So I yeah, and I, and I, they've done a pretty good job of kind of keeping them interesting, which I which I've appreciated as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I like I like to see how Dan Humphrey, it, in theory, the one of the centers of this world also is this boy from Brooklyn trying to be in this world, and Blair allows him to be part of it and also still be deeply skeptical, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So we have no romance. That would be a bad bad choice in my book. So yeah, we'll see. It's, uh, we'll see if Serena can uh, continue. I, I do not expect to continue thinking Serena's okay, but and I, w- I, I won't mind if she goes back to being completely obnoxious because it's fun to hate her. Oh, it and is. It's part of the joy. But, you know, this was a strong episode with some a great reveal, mm-hmm. um, and it really kind of re- moved all the characters on the chess table. So we got a long wait, though, I think. When is it back? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, because Vampire Diaries, my, my post on that's going up today, but they're not back till January 27th. Wow. Woo. That's a long time. Happy holidays, folks. Yeah. Why the delay? Hmm. Um, well, I don't know how many episodes they do. Vampire Diaries does a pretty good job of being on every week. They don't take too many, you know, breaks, so... Is Nikita doing the same thing? Please tell me it's not. I assume it is. I haven't watched this week's episode yet. You seemed pretty excited, but it's, so I'm guessing that was another one where we're going to be left for a bit. Oh, don't say that. It was a really good episode. No, the CW oh, does typically do that. I remember last year over the hiatus, Smallville wasn't back until February. Ooh. So they, they take long breaks. And I think that's how they get a good run to the finish. Hey guys, Lux coming back for the, for the back-to-back burn-off episodes in, in mid-January. All, All right. right. Maybe a season two pickup or a season three pickup? Who knows? You really think? You think it's going to get picked up? Oh, God, no. Oh. You got to be out of your mind. That show's not getting picked up ever. I mean, there's, I'm surprised that they're burning off the last two episodes. Um, yeah, that show doesn't do well at all. I, I, I think that show I, on the uh, Renew Cancel Index uh, on TV by the Numbers, I think every other show on the network does like a point eight point nine, and I think Lux does a point six, which is. But who, did, who watched it this week? Who have you watched it? Oh, I, I watched it. I, I watched it. I don't watch anything on the CW except for Nikita. So no, but I heard it was actually a good episode this week. Is that true? In, uh, it was a good episode. Is a uh, is a relative term. I think. Uh, I oh. think it was a good episode for the series. Uh, I think that um, it, they did a lot of interesting and very good things. They kind of wrapped it up because this was the original uh, season finale they, because the CW ordered two extra episodes. So I think that uh, this, this had a very season finale kind of, and uh, one of the season finales that does a good job at not because they didn't know if they were going to get picked up and they didn't know anything that was going to go on, so they kind of, uh, they wrapped everything up, but they, they, they can continue later. So it was mm. good in that respect, but um, there's a couple of reveals that 
people saw coming a mile away. Um, the uh, the whole Bay's Emma uh, pops kind of um, pops being Bay's dad. I call him pops because mm. that's a colloquial term for father. And um, <laughs> they, they, there's that that whole triangle. Everybody kind of saw it coming a mile away, and that that was kind of their big reveal at the end. Yeah, it was it was okay for the, for the, for the uh, it was okay by most standards. Very good for the series. Um, I you know I'm almost sad to see the show go. Like I'm almost huh. disappointed uh, because I mean it's even though it's become completely ridiculous. It's become I mean when uh, Tosh hit the dude with a shovel, and that became a major plot point for the series. It became kind of kooky, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad to see it go. I'm kind of sad to see these characters, and part of it might be because um, the uh, the showrunner I follow her on Twitter, and she keeps on posting up these pictures uh, saying this makes me sad, and just pictures of them behind the scenes. And now I'm like, it makes me sad too. <laughs> but I'm not really all that sad because the show is. Not good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, Lux was okay uh, this week, and you know, uh, it, it was a, it was kind of like a marriage of the the two seasons. The uh, the end of the first season was really good for for the series, and um, like it was almost like I kind of like the show, like I kind of think the show's good, and uh, and then it ruined the whole credibility that I got at the end of the first season with the second season. But the the season finale is kind of the marriage of the two. It was kind of you know the really good stuff and the really crazy stuff, but then put together and it kind of made it okay. Um, huh. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's I, on my DVR. I just haven't deleted it yet, so maybe I'll actually peek at it. I mean, if if you got nothing else to do, I would say yeah. Yeah, do that. Well, nothing's going to be on. I have no Vampire Diaries till January twenty seventh, so true. maybe I have time. I'm sure, you have plenty of time to catch up on yeah. the uh, the Saccharin Lux. <laughs> Speaking right, of so, Saccharin, this was yeah. uh, this was Christmas week for a lot of episodes. Uh, what kind of Christmas episodes did you guys watch? Thursday night. NBC. NBC had a, had a bunch of them. Yep. Did you guys yeah. all watch Community? Yep. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think about it? You know, about 10, 15 minutes in, my partner turns to me and says, you know, even though this episode isn't quite hitting, I really like that they just take risks. And yeah. then by the end of the episode, it, most of it had paid off. And it was actually quite touching. It so was. It was, kinda... a, it was a very heartfelt episode. I didn't love it. I like what they went for, and I like the development of Abed and stuff like that in the end, but the episode itself was just okay to me. But it was. It was heartfelt. I have a weird relationship with these holiday episodes because I'm raised Catholic. So when you're actually raised, you know, with a bunch of religion, Christmas is really about Jesus. (laughs) That's kind of what the point of the holiday is. And TV always tries to get around it by saying Christmas is about humanity or... Season spirits or kindness or, you know, these kind of very bland, vanilla, generic kind of ways to understand what is at heart a rather, you know, deeply felt religious experience based on the idea that there's a virgin and a child is born and all kinds of, you know, things that you believe with faith alone. And uh, so when these shows try to just kind of ignore all of that, it drives me crazy. And so one thing about community is that they were able to talk about Jesus quickly and briefly. Like they, they gave me like 12 different meanings of Christmas. Some were very silly. Um, but I appreciate the acknowledgement that TV really doesn't know how to handle a religious holiday, which is also obviously a consumer holiday and all kinds of other things that are very secularized. But at least they gave me a moment where Shirley can be like, oh, and by the way, guys, remember Jesus? Remember him? Yeah, this, he, he's part of this. 
Did you um? Did you not see uh, season one's uh, Christmas episode? Of Community. All about that. Yeah, of Community. I just don't remember it. I guess because it's all about Shirley guilting everyone into a Christian Christmas. Oh, that's right. She w- couldn't understand why anybody wouldn't want to celebrate it. Right. That's true. Yeah. So I mean that that's and that's something that I appreciate. And Community obviously has hit on God a couple times this year, and so I, I like I like when they aren't dodging it. This is part of human experience. There's a lot of people that this is very important to them. So let's chat, you know. And Glee did it too. So it just seems like we have some shows that are willing to talk about some pretty fundamental values in people's lives. And so when you talk about a Christmas episode, and I don't need this in all of my TV all the time, but I just usually remark upon it. It's just a weird way that I interact with my Christmas programs. I just find it striking how it's this constant reminder uh, and in the fact that Christmas was scheduled to replace a pagan holiday, I mean, it's not uh, the actual naming of the date to an extent was one displacement. I just guess I kind of continually see it as a repeated displacement of other traditions, other thoughts. It's, it's, it's the best way we've found to get around the holiday <laughs> and the religious significance is exactly what every TV show that talks about the Christmas spirit does. We're just watching it happen repeatedly over and over and over again. Christmas is not about religion. Christmas is about being nice to people. It's just, that's, that's the best they can come up with. And I guess sometimes I just find it a little cynical and lacking. Anyway, that's my reaction to, to holiday shows. Well, right on. Way to bring it down. That's cool. <laughs> what did you guys think of The Office? No, you uh, watched The Office this week, didn't you? I, I, I watched it right before the podcast. Um, I, I say this as someone who hasn't seen an episode of The Office since I don't know when, because I never watched it regularly. So I watched it just specifically for this discussion. Um, so I had no idea who Holly was. I had to check in with Nick to find ah. out who Holly was. I, I thought it was accessible enough. I mean, aside from the whole Holly Michael thing, because I had no idea what was going on there. Yes, but that means you're Aaron. The I don't character. Know. <laughs> that's true. Wow, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Aaron was the secretary who kept saying, I don't get it. She oh, okay. So, yeah, Did you they, feel it all like Aaron when you watched it? Did, were you like, why is Holly so beloved? The way I approached it was the way that I think a lot of Christmas episodes worked, and not only in the way of oh, we need to be nice to one another, but I mean, this was very much a family thing, and the that moment where the office just kind of turns on her, especially with um the bald guy, uh, what's his name? Um, it's not Stanley. Um, Kevin. Kevin, yes, Kevin. Chimes in once more with the caramel candy that she ate for all of them, and it was just that nice little moment where they really do like Michael Scott for whatever reason. <laughs> and I thought that was just really nice. I mean, they... They have their ups and downs with Michael the boss, but they when they see him in danger like that, or when they see him in an emotional state, I really felt that that kind of got to that idea of family being a big part of Christmas episodes on television. And I also thought the Snowman Army at the end was really funny. Um, I hate Jim. I always have. So watching him just break down was a lot of fun for me. I'm a big Jim. I love Jim. Or I used to love Jim before right. he became bland. But I love seeing episodes where Jim is not perfect. Where Jim isn't the one off the side kind of smirking and, and snickering and stuff like that at everybody else. I love to see Jim fall on his face. And, uh, I, and I think that was the, strong, the strength of this episode. It was, I know a lot of people that kind of rank this episode in like their top five of Office episodes. Which 
Really? Yeah, which was bizarre to me. I mean, I, I, I thought the episode was decent. I mean, the wigs montage was, you know, worth the price of admission to me, but, um, which is free. But Jim falling on his face, uh, I, I think, is, is uh, always fun to watch, especially since he dipped so far. The, the cross uh, thing where he broke the window. Well, my, my partner's theory on it is that when the show just focuses on, like, life in the office, it's much better than when it actually tries to add all this other drama and scenarios and whatever. It, just having people in an office and having, like, office life is funny because everyone, no one really enjoys their work. Mm-hmm. And the hijinks ensue because you're bored and you got nothing better, to, or whatever it is. But it's like the office politics in itself is what this show usually does best. And, like, it's usually en- encapsulated by those opening few minutes right before the credits run. Mm-hmm. Teaser. Those tend to be the best part of each episode. It's true. The teaser and codas have always been strong for the show. And, um, and, and they're very basic. Dumb. It's about, you know, playing tricks on people or other strange little office things that anybody can relate to that probably actually happens in life, which is funny you're here. And yeah, the... Um, I mean, another thing that the show, in that same vein, the office politics, I mean, some of the best episodes of the season so far, which has been kind of lackluster to me, uh, Michael Scott having a power relationship with Gabe or with anybody else, like his power struggle with, any, with everybody is, um, uh, makes for great television in, in this show, whereas kind of like, you know, focusing on what's this, Andy and... Um, Aaron and that whole that whole jump the shark scenario uh, that that doesn't interest me at all. Uh, the, the 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 quirky stuff that they kind of do uh, is not interesting to me at all. But when they actually focus on what the show is about, which is office politics and kind of that uh, how this office runs and stuff like that, that's what interests me. And this show has a lot of uh, things in it that were inspired. And uh, I think that was one of them, is that uh, it showed that power dynamic again with uh, Jim and Dwight, which has been lacking for a long time, especially when Jim was in a power in a position of power, which mm. was a disappointing stretch for me. And um, I feel like that, uh, yeah, it kind of, it, this was an inspired piece of writing, which is, is not been what The Office has been lately. Lately, I've kind of watched The Office and, uh, with a stone cold face, like a maybe maybe a chuckle here and there, but this one actually I had a couple laughs, which was which is good. What do you think about the rumor that Holly might become the new Michael? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously they've been kind of selling Holly and Michael as being kind of the same person and you know linked together for a while. Um, I mean, that's what I thought when I first saw her. I was just like, she's female Michael Scott. She's acting like one. Yep. Which is kind of, I mean, they were supposed to be like the perfect couple because they did act like each other. So that that's kind of, um, I mean. Yeah, as long as it ends with Michael and Holly being together and then she's gone, that's fine. But if they try to keep her as a Michael Scott replacement, I think it limits the character, it limits the actress, and it limits the show. Let's go a different direction. If you're going to try and hold on to the show, you know, let's try it. I'm like, you know, I, I didn't ever watch the, when Scrubs tried to hold on and like just kind of switch everything over. Uh. At least that's terrible. But I feel like if they just try to create a new Michael, then they're just playing out the same scenarios all over again, when in fact they could put in a completely different kind of personality there, and it might be fun to see how all the characters have to change to react. Seriously, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the Holly in charge mix, even though I love Amy Ryan. Yeah, I, I love, I love, and I like Holly's character. I don't think that she should be in charge. I think the best uh, scenario 
put David Brent in, in charge of the office and just play out the last six episodes of the second season of the original office. That would be the best. Thing, <laughs> I yeah, I don't think they can get him. You don't think Ricky Gervais wants to sign on to that? You don't think Ricky Gervais wants to test out the 10 foot pole? Yeah, I think he wants to do a film career. I think he's a little caught up in all of that. <laughs> no, he's not above that kind of thing at all. What are you talking about? Maybe they should get that other guy from his podcast, Carl Pil- Pilkington. <laughs> that would be awesome. There God, you go. It's so funny. It's so ridiculous. Now, the 30 Rock. See, I thought, you know, the idea that Christmas is family, I actually find that more tenable than this kind of, like, vague, it's just being nice to people or thinking about the poor or whatever. Christmas is family, I can get around more because that's more universal to me, I guess. But um, I, I love the way 30 Rock did it. Oh, I did, too. Yeah. Actually, I enjoyed um, 30 Rock's Christmas Attack Zone um, more than I did Community this week, actually, which is a rarity um, recently. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for Alan Alda, so, I mean, that was already a big plus for me. But I just thought the episode really worked well. Um, I saw on Twitter that folks were kind of upset that it didn't have enough Liz in it, but I was kind of okay with the lack of Liz in the episode just because everyone else was so on fire this week. Mm-hmm. And there were just really great dynamics between Baldwin and Alba and uh, Stritch and Banks, especially. I mean, that that group was just really working off one another really, really well. Um, one thing I do want to ask you guys, because this was the question, what did you guys think about the two swans at the end? I mean, I laughed and then felt really bad for laughing. Why, <laughs> Why did you feel bad? Because it's blackface. <laughs> But I think that character is pretty offensive. I think that she... Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if there were one character that was going to get away with it on that show, I mean, it would be Jenna, so... Right, and I mean, I found um, Sue's green face on uh, Glee way more offensive than I found Jenna's black face. But it was still one of those things where I just went, I, I feel bad about laughing at this just a little bit, even though Jenna, I'm sure, thinks it's okay because we're living in a post-racial America. And the two of them just take it so seriously. Like, right. I... I, I just like that couple. I like that this makes total sense to them. Yeah. I also so recommended it, that, uh, you know, Will Forte was playing Hallie Portman because that movie was really good. And uh, <laughs> it did not look good as a ballerina. No. Um, no, and I just, I mean, the final moments with Jack and, you know, I don't know what your holidays are like, you guys are with your family at all, but boy, it is, it looks way more like what happened there at my house than, than it looks like with all of the kids on community sitting around watching TV with Abed. I mean, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. 30 Rock hit home a lot harder for the holidays than uh, Community did. And yet it was still very sweet. So yeah. I, I, you know, Community went um, very sincere, and I, I, can, get, I can get with that. Um, the fact that they did it at such a remove by having it not actually be the actors is, is the way that they tried to qualify it, I guess, a little bit. Um, but so there's a, there's a distance and yet a real commitment to sincerity. But I, I, it, 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 yeah, it affected me much more on 30 Rock. Well, I think just the sheer happiness at having both of his parents yell at him um, just really kind of sold me on Jack's arc for that episode. Yeah. And just sold me on Jack's general dilemma with dealing with both of his parents as he has off and on throughout the show. I think that just really made that connection that much stronger since he loves both of these people dearly enough to uh, blackmail Elvis Costello into giving him a kidney. (laughs) (laughs) that I think it just really worked. And plus, I just really loved watching them all play off one another. Because, I mean, it's always a treat to have Stritch on the show anyway, because she is hilarious. 
um, 30 Rock. And then just having Alan Alda be this PC left-wing guy with, oh, I wrote a new book about how to raise family, and it's a cover of every possible stereotype that doesn't belong together working somehow. And I think that just really kind of sums up Jack's family at this point, and I thought that re- I thought that really worked. So what other Christmas episodes did you guys watch? I don't remember if I really saw I any others. Glee episode. Am I the only one who watched the Glee episode? Oh, no, I watched Glee. Okay. And I haven't watched Glee since Rocky Horror, so I was kind of lost about who some of these people were that joined the Glee Club and were yeah. us. Um, but it was it was the standard episode of Glee so far as I was concerned. They just did Christmas songs instead. Um, so it, it, they just had Christmas songs in a Glee episode, and that's kind of how I took it. Yeah, it was the least successful holiday episode for me of, of, the, of the ones that I watched, I suppose. But, I mean, there were moments, and there were moments I loved, and apparently it was Katie Lang singing the Grinch song while Sue was off doing her thing. Um, I, I, re- I thought that was hysterical. I thought it was funny, too. Um, I just... It just kind of infuriates me that they don't let Jane Lynch sing. For whatever Maybe Jane Lynch doesn't want to sing. Okay, but you're on a musical... <laughs> Come on! I mean, villains get the best songs, and she should be singing more, I think. And it just kind of jars me out of it a little bit when she doesn't sing, if there's music going on over her. Which doesn't happen a lot. So when it does happen, I'm just like, oh, come on. Really? And that was a doable song. That song that's nice and low and whatever else. Well, I mean, you don't even really have to sing it is the thing. I mean, in the original version, it's just, you know, someone talking essentially to a tune. So I think it's, I think we could have been okay with Jane Jane Lynch singing. I'm doing air quotes, singing yeah. um, "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch." So I, I guess what I, my big issue with this the, this particular episode is that so I really loved Sue being the Grinch and stealing things and whatever. I liked the the way they played it out. I liked her kind of they did a shadow of of her with all the presents and the visual everything about it. I really liked, but I didn't like how they ended it, how they got her to stop being a Grinch, even though the the song you were wait, kind of waiting for the villagers song so, so, yeah, somehow having the Glee kids turn Jane's heart just it, it didn't work it, it didn't work, and then the same thing with Brittany I loved that Brittany believed in Santa Claus I just thought that was so clever and so appropriate but having Artie stand at the end and walk and that was, again, it, that, that went too far, like I don't know, Glee sometimes takes itself too seriously, and I feel like the, the ending for the episode took itself too seriously, whereas the earlier on there were some really fun hijinks going on. Right. And some kind of absurd satire. And so I guess Glee's real dilemma is that, again, trying to appeal to the masses, even though they can go out there, they can only go out there so far, they always have to bring it back to a safe, comfortable middle, and the safe, comfortable middle is exactly what I don't usually like. Right. Right. I did like how none of them had actually read uh, The Gift of the Magi before. It was not that bizarre? Yeah, I was just like, how, how did you guys get through high school without, I mean, you're still in high school, but how have you not read War, The Gift of the Magi yet? Really? But even there, his explanation for it didn't actually, I didn't get the idea that Shu had read it either, because he was trying to tell them they didn't understand the point. Yeah. Um, and I, the, the episode needed to come back to it. Or like, they didn't make a clear statement on what Christmas is supposed to be, other than you shouldn't be alone. Yeah. And it's okay if you're misfits. Yeah, it, I just... Which has always been the theme of that show anyway. I was just like, oh, okay, they're, they're, they're still misfits. 
okay, when are they not going to be misfits? When are they going to be popular? Did they sing? When does that episode happen? Did they sing the song of the misfit toys? Yes, they did. Fantastic. (laughs) It was the first song too, wasn't it? I don't remember. I remember them singing it because I just kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. But um, so yeah. Yeah, the first the first part of the episode really didn't work. It only got going when. Brittany and Sue really came into it, and then, so the middle, the middle was the best part. So just skip the first ten and skip the last ten and watch the middle, and you're probably pretty good. And I'm not like I'm not down on Glee. I, the Glee backlash, I think, is generally kind of overdone. Um, I kind of get why people watch it and why they, why it is the way it is. But again, I, I have an attitude about Christmas episodes, so maybe that's part of what's allowing me to be like, eh, it's kind of a miss, um, but but good moments. Right. But I don't think there were any other Christmas episodes that I saw. The, uh, sci-fi, they did Warehouse 13 and Eureka had Christmas specials this week. Right, right. Ran, random you, standalone Christmas episodes. What did you think about the Warehouse 13 episode? I didn't watch the Eureka one, so. I thought it was really creepy. I was actually very unnerved by this Santa Claus going around and terrorizing this man. It made me a little uneasy. ha, <laughs> I was just kind of blah on the entire episode. Um, it felt like a half-baked piece of themed fan fiction to me. No, it really was. I, for one, yeah. I really did not care, and I love Claudia to death, but I didn't really care about that storyline. They were really trying to make it you know, very heartfelt and sweet, them trying to get that piano for Artie, but I just didn't really care. Yeah, It was it boring. Was, uh, it was a half-baked episode, and I think the other thing was, and Corey Barker mentioned this, but the discontinuity of having Micah there was a little jarring. I understand that yes. they filmed this long beforehand, but it was still kind of like, oh, yeah, she shouldn't be here. And right. Why is she here again? And it was just like, oh, yeah, okay, so this takes place before that. Okay, that's fine. But it just still kind of, it felt fan fiction-y. And I think that's the worst comp- the, the worst thing you can say about any media product now is that it feels fan fiction-y. Because, um, I mean... We said that I say that about the Harry Potter epilogue. It feels like a bit of fan fiction. I think a lot of people did. But um, if you watch the Dead Like Me movie that came out directly to video um, last year or a year and a half ago, it's nothing but a really poorly written, poorly thought out bit of fan fiction. It was terrible. Did you um, feel? I've, are you a are you a Firefly fan? Have you seen it? Yes. Yes. So, do you feel that way about Serenity? No, I don't feel that way about Serenity. I don't feel like Serenity was a piece of fan fiction. I think it was. Mainly because it didn't, it worked was the thing. It still felt like part of that universe. And I feel like any, like, I don't feel like that, I feel like that that episode of Warehouse 13 is their version of um, Isaac and Ishmael from the West Wing. It's discontinuous. It doesn't belong anywhere within the narrative whatsoever. And just happened to exist because they wanted to do a Christmas episode. That's exactly what the episode felt like. Yeah. It felt like a marketing thing and not like a legitimate episode of the show. Yeah. Although I and, do have to say I appreciate their stance of anti-consumerism for the holiday season. That's pretty much what the message of that episode was about. Well, which was even odder because no, no one ate any Twizzlers. Right, I know. So, you know, they, they gave us a little present this time too, ignoring their product placement. So, yeah, so, no, I mean... Every so. episode, nor, generally Micah is eating Twizzlers. And they will... They will, sh- I mean, like, the Twizzlers are in the shot. They will show you the bucket or the package or whatever that she's taking Twizzlers out of. Like, it's it's awful. What a bizarre product placement. Mm-hmm. Should like I be watching this show? Warehouse 13? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun. 
I mean, that's that's the compliment that I think you can give it, is that it's fun, it's... It, it's slightly... If Fringe is too heavy for people, they should watch Warehouse 13. Because it's, yeah. it's the same kind, or at least Fringe back when it was still more of a procedural, but Warehouse 13, it's just a kind of goofy, historically based X-Files Fringe kind of show. The characters right. are fun, it's goofy, it, it's 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 fun. I think the best comparison I've ever made to it was, think of it as a slightly higher quality version of those um, first-run syndication action hours that used to run on Saturday afternoons, like with Hercules and Xena and that sort of thing. Mm. It's got that same kind of camp fun to it, and I think that's why, and solid performances from a lot of folks, including Saul Rubinek, who is just terrific on the show, as already... Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's a fun, it's a good way to kill an afternoon. I think if you're just going to watch a bunch of episodes back to back, you could do a lot worse than watch a bunch of Warehouse 13 episodes. You know what I use for that these days? The closer. Isn't that awful? (laughs) That's my, oh, I have a half hour to eat my breakfast. I guess I'll put on an old episode of the closer. I I don't know how it's become, I don't know how it's come to that, but that's what I do. (laughs) Yeah, I, that's I can't. I'm sure Closer is a good show, but I can't stand Kira Sedgwick. I, oh, I love Kira Sedgwick. I don't necessarily love her. I know everyone's real mean about her accent, but I don't have any you know sense of what an Atlanta accent should be, so it doesn't bother me at all. I I, did, I like her. I like that she and Kevin Bacon have been together forever. She's when she's in a film, she's often the best part. She's just got a sparkle, and I like her. So there, take that. Her accent's terrible. Her accent's the worst accent <laughs> since Vampire Bill and True Blood. Oh, poor Vampire Bill. Who, sa- who sounds like a combination of Rhett Butler and Foghorn Leghorn? <laughs> that's, that's not the way to put together an accent. And yeah, her accent's almost as bad as her and Anna Paquin, too. Yeah, Anna Paquin's is pretty terrible, also. But yeah, I've, I've actually, you know, and I, I think J.K. Simmons is in that show, too, right? He is, and yep. that makes me want to watch it because I love him so much, but I just can't get over Kira Sedgwick. See, that's my thing with the show as well. Is I mean, my mother loves that show. She actually loves a lot of um, TNT's lineup, and um, so I end up catching random episodes of the Closer. And I love that supporting cast. I mean, I love J.K. Simmons. It's got the um, carpool guy from Mash on it, and I love that guy. So it's just like, why is he here? Type of thing. And I love that supporting cast so much. And it's clearly a show that I, as someone who loves procedurals, should be grooving on, but I just never seem able to get into it for whatever reason. I think a lot of it has to do with I just don't really respond to Brenda in any particular way, which is a Kira Sedgwick character. Um, so it just kind of... I get kind of weird feelings about the show where I just can't get into it despite knowing that I should be getting into it. Though I do like the fact that Brenda never answers any questions in, in, in interrogations, which is something that you're not supposed to do. I mean, you're not supposed to answer questions in interrogations, and on any other cop show, they're going to answer questions, and she never answers questions, which I love. So what, yeah, um, like, I'm trying to think, like, we're talking about The Closer, what, yeah, Nick and I just had a small sidebar, like, what what shows do you guys, apparently TNT knows drama, but what do you, what do you watch on there? Like, I love Leverage. Like, Jesus Christ, I love that show to death. But that's the only TNT show that I watch. Like, what what else... Um, Men of a Certain Age is really, really good. Um, I need to watch that. I need to add these to my list. Let me write this down right now. Because yeah, I, I want to I watch more on TNT, and I am, I'm interested in Men of a Certain And season two, it started. It just started, it just started yeah, didn't I, it? 
I haven't watched it yet, but I um, mean, I really loved the first season of Men of a Certain Age, and you it's watch, getting good buzz. Yeah, yeah. and watching you just go, I didn't know Raven Romano could do that, and all of a sudden the show just starts to click. Yeah, After it's, you just, uh, it's almost like, redemption for uh, everybody loves Raymond. It's almost, hmm? just almost. I mean, if, if Men of a Certain Age continues for maybe two or three seasons, it might actually redeem Raymond Romano. Yeah. Everybody Loves Raymond was on for like 25 years, wasn't it? That's a long, that's a, a lot to... Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of punishment that's been endeared onto, um, onto everybody. But uh, yeah, that, that's how good the show is. Like, hmm. you know, a couple of short seasons from a certain age, and it might actually seem uh, Raymond on. That right. might be my one I catch up on over Christmas, then. I think you should consider it. I mean, I'm not a, I'm, I didn't really like Rosalie Niles that much. Um, I felt like it needed to take itself a little less seriously. Um, than it did. I never watched um, the Dylan McDermott show, which um, is Blue's, can- Blue's just something. got canceled, didn't it? It just got canceled. Yeah. Dark Blue, I think. Yeah, yeah Dark Blue. There you go. Um, so, uh, Saving Grace, I don't really like. I checked out the first couple episodes when it started, and I, I was not a fan. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it either, and I, I really love Holly Hunter a yeah. lot. And I just couldn't get into it either. I'm not quite sure what they have lined up pilot-wise. I know that they have quite a few shows coming out soon. But a lot of, like, I mean, Men of a Certain Age just came back. Leverage comes back this week. I, just, right, so, I really just wanted to kind of go through TNT's slate and see what uh, what quality stuff there might be there that's worth checking out. Well, I know that TNT, like, I mean, they're aiming for a very particular demographic with their show. I mean, Men of a Certain Age isn't targeted to men at all. I mean, it's targeted towards women who are watching The Closer beforehand. Huh. And, I mean, that's who they're aiming that show at. I mean, it's not intended... I mean, if men watch Men of a Certain Age, that's considered a plus benefit, I think, for them. Because, I mean, the show is, I think, more marketed towards women to watch this than anything else, which I find really fascinating. Hawthorne. Oh, I don't know why that just popped in. There, there's, a, there's the that other show one. Is I don't really think... Horrible. I never even watched it. Oh, it's so bad. Like, it's still on, isn't it? I think so. Yes. Yeah. They picked it up for a song, from what I understand, because it came with Jada Pinkett Smith packaged. So they were just like, "Yes, please." Huh. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. bad news. I mean, I, you know, I've heard that they've kind of revamped the show a little bit too for the second season, but I, and I haven't watched it since. But that show, like I, that, I mean, I would watch Mercy over Hawthorne. That's how bad that show is. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one to watch Mercy? Am I alone on Mercy? Yeah. I saw the pilot. I'm- that show is terrible, too, by the way. <laughs> so can we go to a good show that's about to end its season? I think that was a segue for Dexter. Woo! Oh, brilliant. Yes. Very excited. It's, I caught up. I'm so happy. So uh, what, what, do you think, what do you think about the inevitable Dexter and Lumen getting together? Well, okay, so I, I wish I could go, I need to go back through Twitter and actually, like, track people's comments, because I know that there were episodes that some people were like, oh, finally, we're back to Dexter being good, and then the next episode, they'd, like, throw their spaghetti against the wall and be like, I'm done with you, Dexter, I'm breaking up, so it's gotten a rise out of people. Um, I was initially very surprised when she touched him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, ah, uh-huh, you know, is this too soon? Would this, should this really go there? Um, but in the end, when they were lying there looking at each other, I was like, that's really moving, actually. Um, and the idea that this woman who is so desperate to just move beyond this thing, to do whatever she needs to do to make herself okay again. Uh, I'm not saying it was a smart move on her part or even necessarily a healing one, but I think it it's consistent with the choices she's been making. Does that make sense? No, it does. 
Absolutely, it does. And I was surprised by how okay I was with it as the scene played out because my, my initial reaction was, "Oh no, please don't go there." You know, I just and but I don't know, you know. And then the next episode, they're all touchy feely and stuff, and it yeah. was doing their kind of, Home Alone map of uh, Jordan Chase's building. Yeah, I know it was really cute. I you know I don't want to give away too much because I really want people to watch this season. Um, but the the, the nice the, my favorite part about the season so far has been that Dexter has been kind of reworking through his relationship with Lumen, all of the conversations he once had with Harry, his father. Yep. And I have loved how he's been kind of writing his own story. I've thought that's been really fascinating for him to kind of go back and think about, this is what I was told I could be or what I was or what I should be. Or, you know, this, this is, I think it happens to everyone, right? Your parents kind of set up a world of possibility for you. And at some point in your life, you discover there's more possibilities than you thought. You just hadn't been aware before. It's like the joy of growing up and making your own choices. And Dexter's doing it right now. He's doing it through some less than ideal situations. But yes, that is exactly what he's going through. And that's neat to me. I, I kind of, even though this, this show is kind of, you know, these are extraordinary circumstances. At heart, we still have a guy who's had a really shitty start and has been kind of trying to figure out how do I fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, I commented on Twitter today that it's almost like a format show because every season we kind of have the same arc and so we kind of always get to the same place and but then again you know that 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 penultimate episode i mean shit fan hit you know and it, I, and it always does it always leaves you with this crazy feeling going into the finale and the finale always has even more of a payoff so watching the last couple of episodes of dexter is always really uneasy because there's always so much going on oh yeah and you get super nervous for him for everyone for yeah for everyone involved i think there's some characters that are going to take some falls here oh, yeah, i'm not they, sure they, who they're else have to and i think that you know i i uh the, the resolution with the Doak storyline is one that continues to this day to bother me. And I'm worried that we're going to have a similar situation here where some, some character is going to go down in a way that isn't completely justified, but maybe has to happen for Dexter's world to continue. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I like that the show gets messy like that, you know, cause that's kind of, it's hard to be a serial killer in, in, in Miami Apparently and, you know, so. but we'll see. I, 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 I really enjoyed Lumen. I have liked her character. Is I that like Julia Stiles? Yes. And, okay, I like and I'm not Stiles. that big of a Julia Stiles fan, but I love Lumen. I'm loving her on this show. Yeah, I kind of hope they don't get rid of her. Same here. I, I hope she sticks around. Both guest stars, because she's been great, and Johnny Lee Miller has been fantastic <laughs> on this Hasn't show. He? Yeah, I, I've enjoyed him as well. And I, I you know, this, this, it, you always want, in the end, when Dexter finally has to kind of go up against the main bad guy, you always want that to be someone that could be an equal. Yeah. Um, they've done a nice job of giving him people that he's been challenged by. Mm-hmm. I've been having a good time with it. And I don't think there's been, I think it started slow, but the minute Julia Stiles character kind of came in and we figured out what her role was going to be, it started to pick up steam right away. It did for a story like this, which really is a lot different than the past couple of seasons because it's really not just focusing on one big bad it was a very different format mm-hmm. for the season so there was a lot of setup that was necessary so it did kind of start a little slowly and you know there was still a lot of stuff from season four that had to be wrapped up and talked about and well, i mean not really wrapped up but that had to be dealt with from the season four finale so there was a lot of getting to where we needed to go but once it did you're right once once lumen came in and we saw what her deal was and how she was going to play into dexter's world 
the season's just been fantastic. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess it's tonight, it's right? Tonight. The finale's tonight. You know, I came to this show pretty late. I just came into it, I guess, last year. I kind of did some catch-up on it. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I feel like it's a pretty consistent show. And in the end, its finales are always satisfying on, on yeah. many levels. So even though there have been complaints about it and there are seasons that people rightly say are less good, it's less good of a really high level. Yeah, it's still, I don't know, people bash on season three, and sure, season three is the least good season of Dexter, but it's still an amazing season of television. We have so many procedurals that deal with some really grotesque stuff. CSI is constantly dealing with gross dead people and how they died and... Um, Law and Order SVU, I mean, it's constantly exploitation of people and trauma and all, you know, but all of them are so clean on a certain level. And so I like that Dexter kind of says, you know, we're we're into all of these kind of gory scenarios. So let's go ahead and make the main character be the killer. Let's take what people love about the procedural, but let's uh, let's them let them actually look through his eyes. And I think it's been an interesting commentary on what has been a really big trend in the last 10 years in television. It takes what everyone's really into and shifts it in a really significant way. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's the procedural that I've been most excited by. See, now, you're, now you've like kind of hooked me into wanting to give that show another shot. Because I watched the first couple of episodes of season one and just kind of went, I don't think that this is for me. Really? And why? I just, I, it's been so long that I really can't remember. I just remember not liking it. At this point, <laughs> um, the entire first season, and I couldn't, I couldn't get into it either. And I, I, blame, I put the blame squarely on the sister character. And oh, people yeah. hate Jennifer Carpenter so much, like with a visceral kind of hate. And the end of season one, with the choices Dexter had to make, did not make you see Deb differently. Nope. See, for me, it really—that was where I was like, "Oh, this is this is one of the." Key, crucial relationships for this series mm-hmm. and once I kind of got the choices she makes for him and the choices he makes for her, I've been much happier with them ever since. I mean, Deb makes a lot of poor choices, yeah. but she's a pretty good cop. She's got good passion and she is endlessly loyal to her brother in a way that I enjoy watching. And it's not so, so. much the, the character that I hate, it's the execution of the character that I don't like. It's the character gets executed? No. No. <laughs> It's uh, it's how it's. I don't like how she's how she's acted. It's, uh, oh. it's, it's mostly it's my thing. It's not necessarily a story thing. It's not Dexter as a uh, as an institution's fault. It's I, I don't like. That. But he is so good, and that opening set sequence, brilliant. It is. I love it. The credit sequence. I mean, it's that's where you get a sense. This show has a good sense of humor under its darkness, and 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 some, to some extent. Having Dexter be this fish out of water, it's it's really fascinating. I think that's part of why Deb is so messed up. That's why she makes such poor choices is because she's the foil for Dexter to some extent. Both children coming from a pretty disturbed family situation, or at least a very unusual one. Mm-hmm. And so both are in some trouble, um, and their life choices show that. Um, but I don't know. I... I I don't have the same issues with her. If you can handle a show that will make you very anxious, it it can really be worth it. I'm okay with feeling anxious during the show, so that's not a problem. Yeah, well, next time you, you know, I don't know you've got a bunch of catch-up things that you're working on, but sometimes you come across it. I'd love to see if you gave it another chance. But I I think from the get-go, Dexter had me, so it might be one of those things you know when it's love. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, very, I'm very confused on how you could watch the entire first season, Nick, and not continue. Yeah, it's pretty shocking, i got to say. And I can sit there and watch Lux, and I couldn't watch any more of Dexter. Yeah, that's just crazy. I mean, the Ice Truck Killer was a good storyline. That was, was a great storyline. Yeah, and man, when it all came together, you're like, holy crap. I mean, it was good stuff. So... I'm sorry that you did not enjoy it the way I have. I'm sorry you don't have the joy in your life that I get. From- <laughs> it's, you know, it's not your fault. It might be a little your fault, but it's not all your fault. <laughs> and it's worth it just to see Michael C. Hall because he's he's great in that role. And, I mean, he's nominated for awards every year in it. It's just the classes that he's in are so difficult to win. But He, he always should be nominated. It totally makes sense every year. Oh, it every does. Year. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I like Michael C. Hall as, uh, as an actor, generally. I mean, I, I love Six Feet Under, despite how depressing it is. And, um, yeah, I just couldn't do it. Do they kill everybody? Do they kill somebody every week in that show? Does somebody die every week? Like, does nobody kind of get hit to them? <laughs> no, they don't, because it, it grows, the show grows in how procedural it is, and so it's not always about... There's not always, you know, a victim of the week right. um, in a lot of the later seasons because it comes so mu- it becomes a lot more about him and his life. Like they focus on a lot more about that. I mean, he, you know, killing people is still a very big part of his life, but it's not as victim of the week all the time as it is. It's always it's harder for him. He has more obstacles, and so yeah, they, and they've played with it different ways, like where the need comes from, or what you know that kind of thing. But um, and there have been certainly have been people that have been suspicious, and he's had yeah. to deal with them various ways. I, um, say, I mean, with competing serial killers and stuff like that, there's always so many vagrants and lowlifes that can kill off in, uh, in in Miami before they run out, right? Apparently not. Television would lead me to believe that Miami is the worst place in the entire world. Between <laughs> Bird Notice and Dexter, like there are just Miami's just full of. Villains, just evil, evil, bad people. <laughs> Don't forget CSI Miami. Oh, right. So, right. See, how could I forget CSI Miami? So, I mean, really, there's there seems to be no shortage of <laughs> evil doers in the city of Miami. And yet, it's never about the things you would expect, like uh, Cuba or a drug scene or any of those things that you might that might actually be issues in Miami. Well, they don't come up. Bird notice is often about a drug scene. Okay, there you go. There's drugs. Yeah, very much so. There occasionally, but no. Bird notice is a whole other issue. Well, Matt, we can talk about it next week. Uh, see how the finale. De- see if this finale delivers. We can see if there's going to be a finale out there that will leave us satisfied. Because right now we're all seeming pretty disgruntled. So yeah, finale-wise, not happy right now. And so you guys should tune in next week for when we talk about Dexter and um, maybe the handful of other shows that are still running next week. What else have we got? Um, man, what is... Is The Good Wife back next week, Noel? Yes. Good, okay. Well, we'll, we'll that'd be a fun one to talk CBS about. Is so stay tuned next week where we talk about Dexter in an hour of The Good Wife. Apparently. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about... We'll have something to talk we'll about. We'll find something. We'll find something to talk about for an hour and a half. All right, so that's the end of our podcast. Does anybody have anything, uh, any last notes? Fringe was really good this week, but you all already know... Well, actually, you don't because none of you watch it. But if you did, you would know that it was really good this week. <laughs> Anything else? No. We're good. So, uh, you know, download this next week, and uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Talk to you later. Bye, guys.